the very life that you've provided for us in union with you. We come to a deeper understanding and a greater revelation for every heart and every life that you would flood our hearts with that light, that every area of darkness and deception that the enemy has tried to bring upon us would be revealed, that we might walk out of those areas in truth and in the light of the gospel. We thank you for your precious blood that you shed for us. Thank you for that blood, that life that you poured out, that we might have life to the full. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the revelation of the blood of Jesus and what it's done for us and all of its fullness and the glory to bring us life and help and peace. We thank you for that anointing. Fill us with the knowledge of your will for our lives with wisdom and spiritual understanding. As we draw closer to you, we begin to understand things of the Spirit and life, not just what we see around us, but that which you've planned for us. That in our generation, in this day, in this hour, this time, your church arising to a new place of understanding the kingdom of God, in the realm of the kingdom of God right here on the earth. Show us how heaven and earth meet in a glorious way. That truly in that place you are preparing and in the process of flooding the whole earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We thank you for that revelation. We thank you for what you're doing in every heart and in every life. God, today bring us the strength and the understanding so that by the anointing, each one might experience the freedom that only you can bring by the anointing, the health, the strength, the binding up of brokenness, that brokenness is not the end, but you are the restorer of all that has been broken, all that has been stolen. So we give you the glory and the honor, the praise and the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished by your word and your spirit in every heart and in every life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. Man, it's a good day to be alive, isn't it? Hallelujah. Well, everything that's just going on, the prayer, the singing, the worship, uh, we could just go home and say we were blessed. Amen? But uh, we're not going to go home just quite yet. Uh, I believe God has some more for us. So why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, the life of God dwells in me and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Once again, we want to welcome you. We want to welcome everybody who's joining us online. We want to welcome our Meeker campus. We're glad that you are with us. We are really in the middle of a, a new year. I know it get, gets going, and, you know, we really focus on it on, in January, uh, but we're just coming out of January into February, and really God wants us to have a consciousness that we begin to see what he's doing, and we, we continually walk it out. We don't just, we're not just good starters, but we're good finishers. 
Amen. And so every day we're not just looking and when, when trials or circumstance come, then everything that we hope for, everything we thought about uh, in Christ begins to crumble apart. That would be a strategy of the enemy. But as we enter into those things, knowing that there's an enemy, knowing that he's going to test things, we hold fast to the things that God has said, what God has already done for us in Christ Jesus and the revelation of that. Because what God has already done in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage created by the fall of Adam. Amen. And so uh, I, I really need to get started here. Uh, I, I just encourage you to go out there however you feel led to connect and, and uh, be able to help out there, uh, the people in Turkey. Uh, that will be just a blessing. You know, we're hearing about it more and more and the, the toll of death that has gone up and the tragedy there. And so, you know, even in that, we want to realize that we're living in, in a time and a day and, and, and to, again, realize that, you know, uh, life is really but a vapor. As, as, you know, James says, it says, you know, we can walk about and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go here for a year and make money and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. He said, but that's really arrogance and pride. Life is but a vapor. We should say if the Lord wills, we should do this. And if the Lord wills, we should do that. And so we see that in a moment time, moment of time, things can be lost. And so we uh, need to be conscious of that so that ever around us, we're about the Father's business and, and, and the opportunities that we have to share life to share hope uh, to others, really, uh, we were talking about this in a leadership moment, uh, become turning point moments. You know, even as we talk about turning point moments that God has talked about, and, and I believe there's a magnitude, a, a large area where we're going to see turning points, maybe in, a, in our culture, in the church, but in our own personal life, there are turning point moments, those, those, those moments in time of significant change. But as you share the life of Jesus Christ with someone and they accept it, that is a turning point moment for them. As you stretch forth your hand to pray for their healing and they receive that, that's a turning point moment for them. And so we need to be conscious of turning point moments. Not only where is my turning point going to come, but how are we instrumental in someone's turning point? There's people out there that they've had a struggle for uh, uh, years and years and years and you hold the secret to a turning point moment. For them. Amen. And so it's so powerful and, and what God has for us. And I believe, you know, this is a weak term, but he's mobilizing the church like never before. And uh, there's a reason for that as we look at the, the, what Jesus has said about the last days and the great harvest of the earth. And the church and the knowledge of the glory of the Lord filling all the earth is incredibly important. I want to start a, a series uh, today uh, entitled The Power of the Blood. The power of the blood. And so uh, we're going to launch into a few scriptures. I was talking to my mom and dad yesterday. said I was going to start a new series on, on the blood of Jesus Christ today. And my mom said, well, how long is that series going to last? And I said, well, it will be a minimum of six weeks, probably a maximum of 52. <laughs> and the reason I say that is when you, we, you start talking about the blood of Jesus, everything is found in the blood. Uh, uh, Billy Brim said it like this, the blood of Jesus is the legal tender in heaven. Come on, everything that we have was purchased by the blood. The blood of Jesus is so important to us. 
And, and when we begin to understand it and we begin to unpack it, and today I'll just be able to introduce it, but it, it will go into uh, greater things. But in Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 14, God is speaking to them about sacrifices, and he really tells them, he said, don't you eat or drink the blood of these animal sacrifices because the life of all flesh is in the blood. I don't want you consuming of the life of an animal. That's why when Jesus told everybody, he said, you will come to a place where you'll eat my flesh and you'll drink my blood. And he lost almost everybody that was following him because they thought, you know, that's, that's not even the law. You are somehow blasphemy. But when we begin to understand what he was talking about and we understand communion, what he was saying is the life of all flesh is in the blood. And the life of Jesus is in his blood. And when we part Take of his blood through communion, we are partaking of his life and the spirit that gives that life. And so we could go and just think, well, yeah, the blood of Jesus and think of it like a storybook or just a part of the Bible, but it's the essence of everything that we have in redemption. It's the essence of everything that we have in redemption. So open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. I sent the scriptures out to the, the, the sound booth last night. And uh, as Cheryl already knows this, I have this whole list of scripture that I just had to put. You know, I knew what her thinking would be as she started to read it. She's like, he's only going to get to a couple of these. He gave me about 15. So I just said, I know, I know. Probably won't get to them, but we'll give it our best shot. Amen. And so Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the 24th verse, it says this. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant... And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than Abel. Better things than Abel. Abel was the very first instance of the shedding of blood that we see in the Bible. After man had sinned, God demanded a sacrifice, and it was a blood sacrifice, and he brought it, and his brother Cain did not want to bring a blood sacrifice. He wanted to offer a sacrifice that was easy for him that he thought God should sacrifice. And so the brothers got angry at each other, and uh, uh, Cain killed Abel, and God came down to confront Cain about it, and he said, the blood of of Abel was crying out. Well, what was the blood of Abel crying out for? The blood of Abel was crying out for vengeance, but the blood of Jesus calls for mercy. Come on, it calls for better things. The blood of Jesus is not, he's not mad at his death. His death and the shedding of his blood brought life. It brought mercy. It brought grace to come to bear where sin had abounded and that sin had even caused the, the, the feud between two brothers that caused a brother to kill a brother. The blood of Jesus brings life and breaks the power of that sin. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 says this, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. We talk about being overcomers and God has caused us to triumph and the victory that we have in Christ. But the greatest thing that causes us to overcome is the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
There are things that we're under and there's things that have come upon us and really even in the last two years and there's certain, certain flows of life that take place in culture and society and all of a sudden we see sin start to manifest and abound in many ways and when that happens we know there's something wrong but if we're not careful we get to social programs, we get to self-help things, we get to looking at all the things that happen to people in their emotions, we try to fix it but I'm here to tell you there's only one cure one help for sin and it's the blood of Jesus Christ you can do all kinds of things but without the knowledge of the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of that blood and the cleansing of that blood and the freedom that's in that blood and the restoration that's in that blood you can do all kinds of things but you'll never be free you'll never be washed you'll never be cleansed from that stain without the blood Come on, we see miracle working power in the days of that healing revivals. But one thing that they majored on so much was the blood of the land. So songs came out, oh, the blood of Jesus. There's healing in the blood. There's restoration in the blood. Oh, there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Anyone that plunged beneath that flood cleanses all their guilty stain. They talked about the blood and the power of the blood. And when people got faith in the blood, things started to happen. Come on, we're in a day when we need to know. We just can't go with the flow of society. But we need to understand the power of the blood. And if you know about the blood of Jesus, don't turn me off because I believe God's going to open up some things concerning the blood that will give us a further revelation that the application of the blood is going to be so powerful in this day. The one thing the devil fears is the blood of Jesus. Somebody who has faith in the blood is a, is a, a formidable foe. In fact, a victor over every strategy of the enemy. Come on. We know the name of Jesus is powerful and the word, but it tells us what Jesus is going to do in the word. And then he sheds his blood. And when we apply the blood in the name, angels go to work. The anointing goes to work. Come on, we just can put all kinds of mental stuff aside and say in the name of Jesus, by the power of the blood, and things start moving and things start shaking in the spirit realm because angels are obligated to move at that name. Come on, when the blood, blood's applied, there's places the devil can't even go. And there's nothing... I think it's Smith Wigglesworth, one of the, the, the preachers of old said, there's no place in me that the blood, of can, God, the blood of Jesus cannot reach into and cleanse. No place that the blood cannot reach. Amen. And so we just want to take time talking about the blood of Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, that place where the blood, the blood of Jesus, when we approach him, there's something always between us. The veil's been rent from top to bottom. We have access to the very presence of God. We have access to the throne of grace. But as we come, the meeting place that we have with him, the propitiation, the mercy seat, we have no access to God in and of our own strength, but we approach him deserving judgment 
We approach him and there's a mercy seat in heaven. There's an ark in heaven. The things that were built in the tabernacle were just types of the reality of heaven. And there's a place there where God said, here's my word. And there's judgment. But there's a seat called the mercy seat. And when Jesus ascended on high, he sprinkled his blood upon that mercy seat. And when we meet with him, there's something between us and him. And it's the blood of Jesus. And God sees us through the blood. Not our merit and not our failure, but he looks at us through the blood of Jesus. And it's powerful. So in the weeks to come, you can, you'll, you'll start to understand why it could be 52 weeks. But we're going to talk about the blood and eternity. Something very important about the blood and eternity. We're going to talk about redemption through the blood, sanctification through the blood, salvation through the blood, healing through the blood, deliverance through the blood. We're going to talk about the application of the blood and faith in the blood of Jesus. Come on, faith in the blood. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews the ninth chapter. Just want to get you stirred up a little bit today. Anticipating, expecting. Because the more that we learn concerning the blood, and the greater the revelation of the blood, the greater strength and the greater power of the life of God, you'll begin to realize teaming up and surging on the inside of you. The greater revelation. Don't come on Sunday. I'm just telling you. Don't stay up all night on Saturday doing whatever. And just come on Sunday half asleep. But come prepared. Asking God to give you ears to hear what the Spirit of God would say to you about the blood of Jesus. Because you can hear what I'm saying, but in that, God's going to speak to you about things in your life, pains in your body, things that have tried to bind you, wounds that have happened from a long time ago. And he's going to begin to speak to you as only he can about that. And the power of the blood that will wash that, that will cleanse that, that will restore that, that will heal that. So ask him, be anticipating in your prayer throughout the week, in your devotion throughout the week, and come, not tired, not having had a, a bombardment of things, but come before you walk through that door and say literally, God, give me ears to hear what you're saying to me today. And I believe revelation knowledge will come to every heart and every life, and it might be a little different, but it'll be a turning point for your life. It'll be a major point of significant change in your body, in your mind, in your soul, in your, 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 your makeup, in the anointing in your life. Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 6, says, Now when these things had been uh, thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle, <clears throat> excuse me, performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood. Not without blood. Highlight that. Underline that. You'll have to start making notes in the margin of your Bible as we go through this, and you'll start to realize, not without blood. That wasn't purchased, that, that's not mine, except the blood was shed. Couldn't happen for me, except the blood was shed. It doesn't happen without the blood. 
Thank you, Lord. Not without blood, which he, him, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. Concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. But Christ came as a high priest of good things to come. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. <clears throat> not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all. Having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Whew. Come on now. We'll start thinking about the blood and this stuff of being remembering your, your sin, remembering the guilt and the shame that came with it, your conscience of that will start to be washed. It'll be a faint memory. You'll see the future in a different way. You'll have a righteousness consciousness that'll take hold of you. That in saying, saying, I, I've made too many mistakes, I'm yet but a sinner. You'll say, no, I'm no longer a sinner. I've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Sin can no longer dominate my life. My whole life is dominated and filled through the righteousness that I have through Jesus Christ my Lord. And that righteousness is not my own righteousness by my own works, but that righteousness has come to me by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, we've made this somewhat religious, but it's life to us. Glory to God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgression of the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Whew, glory to God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 from the Passion Translation says this. Sorry, I flipped the translation on you. Put it to the Passion Translation. I was just studying it this morning. It sounded better to me. <laughs> it all sounded good. This just sounded a little better. Uh, For we all have sinned and are in need of the glory of God. Yet through his powerful declaration of acquittal, God freely gives away his righteousness. His gift of love and favor now cascades over us. All because of Jesus, the anointed one has liberated us from the guilt, punishment, and power of sin. Jesus' God-given destiny was to be the sacrifice to take away sins. And now he is our mercy seat because of his death on the cross. We come to him for mercy 
For God has made a provision for us to be forgiven by faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. Again, you should highlight that, underline that. It's so important because what we're going to be talking about, you could just look over. But when you find out what the blood has done for you, then putting faith in the blood begins to access what the blood has done for you. You can say, well, I know, that's, that's pretty good, that's, that's good. But when it comes to healing your body, and we talk about healing in the blood, you want to have faith in that blood. Glory to God. Faith in the blood. So he says that, that it's by that faith in the blood. Praise the Lord. Now I've got to find out where I was. Hallelujah. Hmm. Well, I might just start reading here. By faith in the blood. I don't know why. I, oh, there we go. That's why, because it's so much more wordy. By faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. This is the perfect demonstration of God's justice, because until now, he had been seen so patient, holding back his justice out of his tolerance for us. So he covered over the sins of those who lived prior to Jesus' sacrifice. And when the season of tolerance came to an end, there was only one possible way for God to give away his righteousness and still be true to both his justice and his mercy. Come on, with the blood of Jesus, both justice and mercy were served. Thank God. That's a place where you're going to get a revelation and rejoice. Because what we deserved was death. What we received was mercy and grace and brought life. Come on, justice demanded death because of sin. Mercy, God's mercy, demanded life through love. Jesus' blood satisfied both justice and mercy. To offer up his own son. Now, so now, because, he, uh, because we stand on the faithfulness of Jesus, God declares us righteous in his eyes. Where then is there room for boasting? Do our works bring God's acceptance? Not at all. It was not our works of keeping the law, but our faith in his finished work that makes us right with God. So our conclusion is thus, God's wonderful declaration that we are righteous in his eyes can only come when we put our faith in Christ and not keeping the law. Whew. So sometimes when we talk about righteousness, we've been made righteous, people kind of puff up. But there's something about the blood and the blood shed that will bring such a humility to our hearts that we know that it's nothing that we could do in and of ourselves. When we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he begins to turn things around. We talk about turnaround. We talk about he's turning things around. But when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and we look at what the blood has done for us and, and how he provided everything through his blood and we humble ourselves, God begins to turn his hand. And instead of us being under this, he begins to exalt us and lift us up in due season. 
And I believe God is bringing this understanding of the blood that we might be humbled in our heart, not humiliated, but humbled to a place that we are in that place of humility, strengthened with such might in our inner man that God begins to raise the church up. Not a church that is, as the Message Bible says, peripheral to the world, but a church that the world is peripheral to them. They begin to rise up and there is that light that Pastor Marshall talked about last week that we go and we bring light into dark places. Come on, there's a place where you'll begin to see there's assignment on your life. You might not see it right now, but as revelation comes of what Jesus has done, instead of saying, why am I here at this job where nobody, I, I would rather work with Christians, you'll start to realize, no, I'm on divine assignment. I am in the light in the midst of this darkness. And by principle and by physics, this place that the devil's saying all this darkness around you is overwhelming you, it's overcoming you, it is not possible. Darkness cannot swallow up light. Light dispels darkness. You are there dispatched by God with a divine purpose and a divine calling to shed light of life right where you are. Not to conform to the darkness, but to shine bright. In the life that you now live by faith, in the Son of God, and His blood shed for you, and the transformation that it brings. You're no longer the same as you used to be, and you're not the same as them. You have a different life flowing in your veins, and that life is the light of life. Come on, and there will be a boldness because of what the blood has done to stand and shine bright and be uh, glad and rejoice in the life that you have in Jesus Christ. There will be a boldness and a might come upon you to stand in the midst of circumstances that otherwise your knees would have grown weak, but you're stronger than you ever thought you'd be. The hands that hung down will now raise up. The knees that were feeble will now become strong. You'll move into places with a strength and a might that only comes because of the life that's in the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so we're going to just talk about a, a few different aspects. <sighs> a few different aspects. All right, I got to hurry up. Of the blood. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, don't you just love the blood? Oh, man, the blood of Jesus. Lord, help us to see. Whew. Such freedom in the blood. We find out we're totally cleansed by the blood. The devil loses every grip. He tries to come, well, you're not that clean. You'll never be that clean. You're just still a sinner. <laughs> no, 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 no. The blood of Jesus cleansed me from all. Somebody say all. All unrighteousness. Come on. All unrighteousness. That revelation, I'm cleansed. See, the devil will try to make you think you're being proud and haughty. But when you really know the blood, you're like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Every stain. Every stain. Every residue. Of that sin is gone. The enemy comes and tries to remind you. You're like, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Come on, you can put that in a model of that it seems like made up. But when you have a revelation of the blood, the devil comes and says, do you remember? And say, I can't find, I can't find any, any recollection of it. So why don't you ask Jesus about that? 
He'll say, I don't remember anything. I don't recall. We're going to show you why in just a minute. It's not like he's totally forgetful. It has to do with eternity. Why Jesus does not remember your sin has to do with eternity. And we live in eternity. So we're going to look at the historical dimension, which means something. What Jesus did 2,000 years ago on Golgotha. That which he did for us. Romans chapter 6 and verse 10 says this. It says, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for everybody. But the life he lives, he lives to God. 2,000 years ago, he died, he was buried, and he raised from the dead. And he did it for every single person that they might live unto God. We're going to look at the eternal dimension of that. Right, the eternal dimension. We just read that. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. It says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained an eternal redemption. An eternal redemption. He bought your life with his own precious blood. He bought your life one time forever. Come on, you don't belong to the devil. You don't belong to sin. You don't belong to the guilt of your past. You don't belong to shame. He bought you once and for all. He redeemed your life. And it's an eternal redemption. And we're going to talk about the continuing dimension. Probably the most important to us, the continuing dimension. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, it says in the same manner, he's talking about communion. It says in the same manner, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He said, listen, there is a continuing revelation, a continuing impact of partaking of the blood. Remembering what took place that is taking place, that will always be taking place because of the blood. Because of the blood. Hallelujah. So I just want to read this. Um, this particular thing I printed off is too small. Um, this is from Andrew Murray. And uh, I just want to read this. Try to stay with me. <clears throat> um, this is, he's talking about the union of the spirit and the blood. Says what first demands our attention here is that is uh, that it is through the Spirit alone that the blood has its power. We read in the Epistle to the Hebrews nine fourteen. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The blood possesses its power to cleanse and to make us fit to serve the living God by the eternal spirit who was in our Lord when he shed his blood. This does not mean merely that the Holy Spirit was in the Lord Jesus and bestowed on him his person and his blood a divine worth. It is much more than that. It indicates that the shedding of his blood was brought about by the eternal spirit and that the spirit lived and worked in that blood. Okay, just think for a moment. The life of all flesh is in the blood and the body without the spirit is dead. The spirit in the blood. The spirit in the blood. 
Praise the Lord. All right. So he worked in that blood. As a result, when the blood was shed, it could not decay as a dead thing. But as a living reality, it could be taken up to heaven to exercise its divine power from there. It is expressly for this reason that the Spirit is here called the eternal Spirit. Eternal is one of the words of Scripture which everyone thinks he understands, but there are a few who really who realize what a deep and glorious meaning it has. It is supposed that eternal is something that always continues, something that has no end. This explanation is merely negative one and tells us only what eternal is not. But it teaches us nothing about its nature and being. Everything that exists in time has a beginning and is subject to the law of increase and decrease, of becoming and decaying. What is eternal has no beginning and knows no change or weakening because it has in itself a life that is independent of time. In what is eternal, there is no past which has already disappeared and is lost. There is no future not yet possessed. It is always a glorious and endless present. Come on. Come on, this will bring a little light, I hope, to you about some scripture. I I need to keep reading here. Pause. Just a second. Don't start playing just yet. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Now, when the scripture speaks of eternal life, eternal redemption, eternal joy, it means much more than to just say merely there will have, that they will have no end. But that word we are taught that, we, uh, that he who has a share in eternal blessedness possesses something in which the power of an endless life is at work. It is something in which there can be no change, nor can it suffer any diminution. Dimin- anyway, end. Diminution. And therefore, we may always enjoy in its fullness of its life bestowing blessing. The object of Scripture in using that word is to teach us that our faith lays hold of what is eternal. It will manifest itself in us as a power superior to all the fluctuation of our mind or feelings with a youth which never grows old and a freshness which does not for a moment wither. So when Jesus says, I cast your sin as far as the east is from the west to remember it no more, that's because the day he forgave you is still this day. It's fresh every day. His forgiveness has no change. It'll never have any change. When he said it is finished on the cross, it was finished. When he says his new mercies are new every morning, it's because his mercies have never changed from yesterday to today. It's the same fresh mercy as it was when you relied upon it. We live in time, but God says it never changed for me. Come on. 
We're pulling, the enemy's pulling us from both hands, and we're thinking, man, we got to get this done or it's going to be over. And God says, no, just understand today. He says, when you step out of this body, redemption's going to be the same. The blood's going to be the same. Come on, that song we sang, no more death, no more fear. no What? Because there's a new horizon. He's my all in all. He's my everything every single day, and he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Because he lives in eternity. Praise the Lord. All right, here we go. Now the blood. The blood. He said, we have noticed the blood is a word chosen by God as a short way of expressing certain thoughts, powers, and characteristics which are, as it were, included in it. It is not always easy, either in preaching or personal exercise of faith, to find a perfect expression of these thoughts, powers, and characteristics. But this is what the Holy Spirit undertakes as his work, especially where faith is exercised about the blood. He will explain and make living the full and glorious meaning of the word. By enlightening our understanding, he will make clear to us the great thoughts of God which are contained in the words, the blood. Even before the understanding can lay hold of them, he will make their power active in the soul. And where a heart desiring salvation is humbly and reverently seeking for the blessing they bring, he will bestow them. And he will not only send the power of the blood to the heart, but will so reveal it in the heart that the same inner nature which inspired Jesus in the shedding of his blood will awaken in us as it is written, they overcome by the blood of the lamb and they love not their lives unto death. He said there's something in the words, the blood, that only the Holy Spirit can make alive and real. That as you desire in your heart, he'll not only make it aware, but it'll begin to work its life in us. That's why I said come every day saying, Holy Spirit, give me ears to hear what you're saying. Because the power that is in the expression of the blood is more than we can comprehend with the natural mind but can be revealed and made alive to us by the Holy Spirit. And so, gave him my best shot. We will talk about, I mean, just so you just know what the blood provides, and we'll close. Remission of sin. You're washed from all your sin by the blood. You're redeemed by the blood. You're justified by the blood. You're brought near to God by the blood. You have peace with God by the blood. You're cleansed from an evil conscience by the blood. You're sanctified by the blood. And you overcome by the blood. And that's just scratching the surface of the blood. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify and glorify you for all that you have done for us in sending Jesus. Jesus, we thank you so much for the shedding of your blood.
Holy Spirit, give us wisdom and revelation. As we go from this place, begin to work and to open up to us things concerning the blood. It's applied to our life and the blood affects every day in every area of our life. For we've moved into that realm of eternity <clears throat> yet in time. And revelation to every heart and every life for each one you know is at a different place but you know that. You can bring wisdom, understanding, revelation in life concerning the blood. Thank you for that. <clears throat> Thank you for the power that's in your blood. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just take this minute. I know we just introduced this, but... Just perchance somebody's here, you say, you know what, today's my day. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. Never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never really understood the expression of the blood that was shed for you and all that it provided for you. You've struggled throughout life just trying to do it your own way, but you can't do it your own way. Even if you're here and you made Jesus the Lord of your life or called him Savior, but never made him Lord and you've struggled with that and you begin to see that what Jesus did for you covers every area of your life that it might truly take hold, bring you into that eternal life that the Bible promises. Instead of going past or looking to everything decaying and what, what happened will, will end up in a bad place, you can begin to see that through Jesus Christ and the eternity and the power of the blood, there's much more to life. It's entered into by making Jesus the Lord of your life. Accepting the fact that he gave his life, shed his blood to pay the price for your sin. And accepting that, you accept his life into yours. That he might be the Lord of it and the master of it. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Just raise your hand. Just slip it up real quick. I want to pray with you. don't want to leave without giving you that opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Best decision you'll ever make, the Bible says, you'll never be ashamed of making a decision for Jesus Christ. Anybody at all, just want to give you this few moments, just perchance. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, you can look up here. Just have one more order of business that we want to do. Uh, Tony Haskell is headed off to uh, Nepal. And... Um, we want to pray for her before she launches out into Nepal. Why don't you give me that microphone? Tony, why don't you just come and give a real brief, uh, let people know what you're going to be doing there, and then we want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Mark, and thank you, church, for praying for us. Thanks for remembering, <laughs> because uh, you guys are so much power behind what any of us here do in the nations. It's not good to go alone. And so thank you for your partnership. Um, I'm going together with my son, Pastor Jason, from New Creation Craig, and my granddaughter, Brooke, and her husband, together with another couple. And our mission is, is revive. Uh, our four words are re refocus, refresh, revive, 
and refire. And the church is in, we're going to India as well. In India and Nepal have been through a lot the past few years, as we have, and are in need of Holy Spirit power. And so we can't even begin to do that without the power of the Holy Spirit and the supply of the Spirit that comes from our church. So that's our mission. We'll be gone for a couple of weeks, and it's going to be like a fast we're believing for, a real impartation, a download uh, that will really mark and send people forward into their places of ministry. It'll be for graduates in Sikkim, India, that um, I haven't met most of them, and graduates in Nepal, but also pastors and leaders that know of our school. And so that's it. Praise the Lord. Why don't you all stand up, shut your hands out here. <clears throat> Tasha, why don't you come pray with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We thank you. God, we're so humbled always when we recognize that you have counted one of us worthy and called us into a specific area of ministry. And so, Father, going into the nations and putting all aside to go into the nations to raise up leaders is a high calling. Father, to count somebody worthy of that calling is such a humbling place and an important place. And so, Father, as Tony and Pastor Jason, Brooke, Sheldon, this other couple launch out into India and Nepal for this specific reason, we thank you for a special grace for this particular time, that their gifts and the calling upon their life, each one of them would, would, would come forth by the Spirit of God in teaching and in manifestations of the Spirit to change lives, to impart to leaders, to bring direction, to set a fresh fire under the church and those nations. So, Father, we just thank you for doors of utterance being open to them. They make, might make known the mysteries of the gospel. Father, we thank you that their travels will be uh, direct and easy. We command angels that guard round about them Father, to protect them in all their ways, head to toe, top to bottom, side to side, every vehicle they get in, everywhere they go, every person who confronts them. I thank you they have angelic protection. Father, I thank you that health and healing belong to them by the shed blood of Jesus when he bore stripes upon his back. So we thank you, Father, that you help them in their bodies to resist different foods and, and things that would come against them, that they walk healthy every single day. I thank you that their minds will be aware and alert. I thank you, Father, by, by the power of the Spirit of God, you uh, help them overcome a jet lag so that they can do what they need to do with uh, vigor and energy uh, as they move around uh, those nations and minister to those people. So we thank you, Father. We thank you that the utterance will be clear. Father, there will be a boldness to make known the mysteries of the gospel, that there will be a boldness to bring a light into darkness, Father. There will be a, a boldness to stretch forth your hand to bring impartations. And many, many lives will come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Many leaders will be uh, uh, empowered and anointed to lead in this generation. And so we thank you for that part of the world being transformed. We may think it's a little, but what will be imparted will spread and spread and spread and it will affect a nation into another nation and even nations of the world. So I thank you that that boldness to speak is so necessary. 
for they will say things that otherwise they would not have without that unction from your spirit. And those things will continue on and on and on, affecting lives, people groups, and even nations. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to remind you that uh, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, we have corporate prayer Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning. We have corporate prayer together, picking up some more momentum in prayer. Uh, and so I invite you to come to that. Why don't you say as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight.